Friends, you can grab a Bible up the back if you don't already have one. Uh, We have Bibles up there for anyone. If you don't have a Bible at home, please come and see me. We would love to give you a Bible. We have Bibles aplenty. We have kids' Bibles. We have women's Bibles. We have Bibles in different languages. We would love to give them away. If you don't have a Bible in your home, please come and see me. You will have one following the service today. But if you haven't got something on your device, haven't got Bible on your device, you can Google it these days. There's a hard copy up the back. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12 uh, again this week. Working our way through Luke, we're in this section of Luke's gospel this morning. Uh, the context for, for today's, today's reading from Luke 12 is that Jesus is marching towards Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way towards Jerusalem for the final time. He's set his face towards Jerusalem and he's going to his death. So there's a sense of urgency here. There's a sense of of expectation at this point. There is a sense that Jesus has been telling his disciples he's going to leave them, that the the Son of Man must die and and be raised back to life, but but that he he is coming back. So that is the context for this story today about about a surprise party, another little parable, maybe not a parable as such, but just a little story and an anecdote and an allegory, a, a metaphor, or a, or a simile. I'm sure Pamela, watching at home, will correct me in uh, telling me exactly what literary device Jesus is using here in Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 40. Luke chapter 12, uh, the verses 35 to 40. It's a surprise party. Things are ready. All the house has been prepared. The house has been decorated. The lavish food has been prepared. All the wine has been purchased. The musicians are ready to play. All they need now is for the guest of honour, the bridegroom and his new bride to arrive in order that the festivities may commence. So let's have a look at Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 35 to 40. Having a look at this surprise party, but a surprise party with a difference. There are a couple of big surprises in this surprise party. Let's read together. Jesus speaking, he says, Be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself ready to serve. He will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. This should be... Let me read that again. He he will dress himself for service and will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Friends, let's pray. A loving Lord, we commit ourselves to learning and growing in this moment. Father, we pray that my words might be your words. Father, we pray that I might 
decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen. This is a surprise party with a difference. When we think of a surprise party, we think of guests waiting to surprise the guest of honour, don't we? If you're familiar with these surprise parties, you hide and wait. The person whose birthday it is, for example, doesn't know what's going to happen. So, so the gathered guests surprise the guest of honour. Back in, in those days, in this context here, it's actually a reverse. It's the guest of honour trying to surprise all of his guests. Now, this particular party is actually a wedding feast. It's probably the equivalent of what we might call a, a wedding reception. These wedding feasts lasted for, for many days and culminated with the, with the bridegroom, with the master of the house, returning with his new bride to his own home, ready to, to make a new family, to create a, a new house. And of course, the servants would be expected to be there ready and waiting. But you see, the trick, the fun of it all, was to maybe just delay the arrival a little bit and perhaps catch a few guests napping, catch a few people out, maybe even catch a few servants out who weren't quite on the job, who weren't quite on the ball. And you see, the, the, the bridegroom could actually delay his coming. He could come at any hour of the night. So there's a, it really sort of builds a sense of anticipation and expectancy. There's a bit of fun. When are they going to be here? When are they going to arrive? The food would all be said, that everything would be in place, ready to go. It was just a, just a case of when would the party kick off? When would the master of the house come home? This master did have a reputation for doing things a little bit differently. This new young master had a reputation for, for well, not always following conventions. So they're, they're a little bit on edge, not really sure what's going to happen, but then at last, at last, the master arrives. The master arrives home with his new bride and with much shouting and joy and, and adulation, the party strikes up, the band strikes up, the, the servants who have been waiting and perhaps maybe even some of them dozing off are suddenly wide awake, ready and rushing around, plying people with food and with drink, making sure that everybody is served, making sure that everybody is looked after. The master, of course, was probably had a little bit of fun. He might have caught a, a few of his guests, a few of his mates maybe getting a, a little bit hungry and taking a little bit of the food beforehand or having a bit of a drink of wine and maybe falling asleep in the corner. But of course, for the servants, it was a different story. If you were one of the master's servants, if you were caught napping on the job, well, that was a source of, of great of great shame, and you could result in some discipline and perhaps even dismissal. So for the servants waiting for the master to arrive, it was a sense that in this most important of celebrations, his, his wedding reception, in this most important of feasts, they really needed to be on point. They really needed to be ready. Gee, the, the, the master is delighted uh, and people start drinking and celebrating. There is singing and, and there is dancing at this great banquet, at this great wedding feast. So that's the first surprise, the surprise that we're not really sure when the master is, is going to come. So he tells us... 
Be good. Be good. Happy to that. that. All right. All right. So, so the first, first of a couple, couple of big, big surprises. surprises. First, first is simply, simply knowing, knowing when the master is going to arrive with the, with the call to be ready, to be dressed ready for service with your lamps are burning, burning brightly. So at this point, I want to just pause and, and just ask, how are you feeling at this point in the party? If you're a guest at this party, thinking of it as an allegory, right? We're waiting for the master to return. Jesus is telling his followers to be ready, to be expectantly ready for his return. Where, where are you at this party? How are you feeling? Do you feel as though you're ready? Are you dressed ready to serve? Are you, are you wide awake? Are you eagerly expecting the master's return? Perhaps for some of you, you know, well, I've actually kind of been slacking off in the corner a little bit. Maybe your conscience sort of say, oh, there's more I actually... I, I, I could be doing. Maybe some of you have really just been sort of nibbling at the buffet, really just sort of taking and taking and taking without really doing much to give back, without really contributing to the effort to get ready for this, for this great banquet. Maybe some of you, you, you think, well, really, I've just, been, I've just been taking the buffet and helping myself. I've just been taking and taking and, and not really giving anything back. Maybe some others of you at this point uh, can identify with those servants that, that were found wide awake, ready, and, and were able to help celebrate the master's return. But you're, you're thinking, how long, Lord, will it be? Some of you I know have been eagerly waiting and serving for the master's return for many years, many decades perhaps for some of you. You've been eagerly serving. You've been eagerly waiting. You've kept your flame alight. You've kept the flame burning, even when it's been difficult. Even when it seemed, perhaps at times, like the wind and the rain was going to, to snuff out your flame altogether, but you nurtured it and tended it and, and protected it, and, and you're still burning brightly for the Master through it all, through some hard times on this long and, and winding road, eagerly looking around the corner, waiting for the Master. How long, O oh Lord, will it be until your return? So that's, the, that's the, the context here. A group, a surprise party, waiting for the Master's return, with a challenge there to, to be ready, but then an even greater surprise happens, an even bigger surprise takes place. You see, this young master, since he took over the family property from his father a few years ago, has a reputation for doing things a little bit differently. Right from the very start, he started doing some, some unconventional sort of things things a little bit differently. He knew the traditions of his forefathers and, and, he, and he certainly respected them, but you see, he didn't feel the need to be bound by them. He didn't feel the need to be ruled by the traditions. So he'd been doing things a little bit differently. And the servants by this stage had sort of gotten used to it, but some of his neighbours, they're not quite so certain. He's been doing things differently and, and, and they're a little bit sort of put out. They're a little bit miffed. Certainly some of the more sort of stiff upper lip prim and proper types. The new bloke down the road with his new property does things differently to how we've been doing it. 
He's been upsetting the apple cart a little bit, and we're not really quite sure what to expect. Well, sure enough, after he's arrived and the, and the feast has gotten underway and the band is maybe taking a break from their first set, people have had some food and some drink. He, he calls people together and he calls for silence and, and wants, to, wants to call in all of his servants. He says, come on, guys, come in, come in, come in. The servants are busy rushing in and out of course, gathering food and wine and distributing it. They're not really sure what's going on. Master, we've got many more people to serve. There's still food and drink. Come, 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 come. Come in, come in. Don't worry about that. Put that down. Come, come, take a seat. This young master actually calls his servants in, tells them to take off their aprons and to recline at the table. This young master tells his servants, calls them in, tells them to sit down. He's insistent. He won't take no for an answer. I want to do this for you, for my loyal servants. Well, they're not really sure how to react. They're a little bit nervous. There's still work to be done. There's still guests to serve. But the, the, the master insists, come, take a seat. Take off your, op- take off your apron. In fact, I, give, give it to me, he says. Give, give, give me an apron. Take a seat. And the master begins waiting on the servants. The guest of honour starts acting in the form of a servant himself. He starts serving his own servants. Well, the reactions to the gathered community are, are mixed. Some of his guests can see what's going on and, and they join in the fun. They themselves grab a, an apron and put some napkins over their arm and start serving the servants. They start serving each other. They start serving anyone within throwing distance of a volivant, right? That's what we had at weddings in the 80s, with the volivants. They're serving each other and, and everyone is being loved and, and, and served. The servants are, are taken aback. The servants are, are, are shocked. They begin to realise it dawns on them, just the sort of master that they serve. They can't believe what's happening. They knew that the master loved them, but this is the next step. This is next level. This is breaking conventions. This is, this is breaking the order of things. This is completely shredding ideas of first and last and higher and lower and and those who are powerful and those who are not. The master is turning things upside down. Tears begin welling up in their eyes as it dawns on them just how much the master loves them. Just how blessed they are that they are part of his household. They can't believe what is happening. The party continues. The great banquet continues with the master, the guest of honour, taking the form of a servant. Some people, however, are not entirely happy about this situation. In fact, some people are quite scandalised about what is happening at this particular wedding banquet. Some people think this is actually quite scandalous. And so, in fact... They disappear out into the night. They're not going to be a part of this. 
And so they just quietly skulk out the door, muttering something about we're needing to put an end to this sort of nonsense. In fact, some of them might even gather out in the darkness and start plotting how they might be able to get rid of this new young master that is upsetting the apple cart, that frankly is endangering their very privileged position. I mean, this is the stuff of revolutions. I mean, what if this sort of thing catches on? What sort of world is, is this guy ushering in? What, having, having, taking the form of a servant, s- serving the slaves in his own house. I mean, what, sort of, what, what will happen if, of course, the, the other, if, if my servants start being, expecting to be treated like this? Our positions are in danger. This is revolutionary stuff. And so they depart out, out into the night. This is the radical upside-down kingdom of Jesus Christ. This is the radical banquet that we can expect if we are faithful to the Master. For those of us who remain dressed, ready to serve, For those of us who keep our flame alight, keep our lamps burning, a great banquet, a great celebration awaits where the first is last and the last is first. Friend, don't you want to be a part of that party? You want to be a part of that party? I hope you do. I hope I will be meeting you there at the banquet on that day in that household, in that kingdom, in that great big celebration. There's a bit of sting in the tail, by the way, of this little allegory from Jesus. He switches very quickly from a celebratory image to one of a thief coming in the night. But either way, the message is the same. Be ready. Be ready. Be dressed ready to serve. The good news is that everyone is invited Everyone is invited. The the invitation goes out far and wide, out to the back streets, out to the lanes and the alleyways. The invitation goes out far and wide. Everyone is invited to this great banquet. The word of warning is that not everybody makes it to the banquet. Not everyone will be there. Not everyone will make it. I want to uh, give you a few little ways we can apply this teaching. I mean, how can we be ready. As we close, how can we be ready for this banquet? Jesus tells us to be ready, to be dressed ready for service with our lamps burning. So what does that look like here in Sydney in 2022? He's used an allegory, a parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So how do we apply it in our lives today? What, how can we make sure that we are dressed ready to serve? Because it will indeed be good for those servants. Have a look at verse 37 if you've got it open. It will be good for those servants or happy or blessed, some translations run it, for the master who finds them awake when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will gird himself, he will dress himself ready for service he will, and he will wait on them. He'll have them sit at the table and he will come and serve them. So how do we do that? How do we make sure that we are dressed ready for service. Well, there's a little clue in the Greek. In the original Greek, in this phrase, be dressed ready to serve, it's, it's literally, quite literally in the Greek, in the original Greek, it's have your loins girded or have your, 
be have your have your 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 waist girdled or wrapped up, ready to serve. Now the imagery here is of those long robes that they used to wear. Men would wear the long robes and and they would occasionally hitch them up, pull them up between their legs, above their knees, so they were unencumbered and tuck it into their belt. They would gird their loins, ready to serve. Men would do this for only a few things. You would gird your loins like that, hitching up your skirt so you were unencumbered for action. If you wanted to run, to fight, or to work hard run, to fight or to work. These are action words. This is the posture that Jesus is calling us to. When he says, be dressed ready for service, he's meaning be dressed ready for action, ready to do, ready to work hard, ready to labour, ready to run hard for him, to fight for him. This is what that phrase literally means. So are you dressed ready for action? Are your loins good or are you ready to run and to fight and to work for Jesus Christ? Ask yourself, is that how I've been dressed? Is that how I've presented myself to the world of late? Or am I just a passenger? There's plenty of people as I look out this morning who I know have been working hard. They've been dressed ready for action. They're ready to fight and to run for God, to work hard. They've been doing so for years and years and years. But within the church, there are also many people that, frankly, have just been kicking back at the buffet year after year, haven't really been running particularly hard at all, haven't really been particularly hard at work or running hard or fighting or contending for the gospel, as Jude puts it. I don't always, if I'm honest, see the church hard at work. We may retire from work and earning a living, but we never retire from being a part of God's kingdom, being called to be a follower of Jesus, to work and to serve in whatever context he has put us, with whatever resources he has given us, even if it is simply to be a prayer warrior. Even when these bodies fail and give out, we can still be, at the very least, a prayer warrior for the Master. Amen. I also want us to point you back in terms of application to earlier in this chapter. In this one chapter, Luke chapter 12, we can see how Jesus expects us to be dressed, ready to serve, with our lights burning. In verse 1 of chapter 12, he shows us that we... We shouldn't be hypocritical like the Pharisees. In verses 4 to 9, he tells us how we are more valuable than the sparrows. But um, he says how we should not be fearful, but we should be ready to acknowledge him and witness for him. In verses 25 and 26 of this chapter, he tells us uh, uh, that faithful servants who are ready to serve do not worry about what they will eat or what they will wear, but trust in the master to provide for them. In verses 30 to 31, he shows us that faithful servants do not run after the things of this life, but seek the kingdom of God, knowing that all these other things were given to them. In verses 33 and 34, Jesus tells us the faithful servants are not greedy, but they are generous and they store up for themselves treasures in heaven, as we heard last week. And here in today's passage, he shows us that faithful servants are not 
are not lazy, but they are, are diligent. This is classic Jesus. This is, this is all-time classic Jesus. These are the stories why I love being a follower of Jesus. Reminds us of that, that father that runs to the prodigal son, that wasteful son that's trashed the family name, wasted the family fortune, but still <laughs> runs and embraces his son when he returns. It's a story of a master who, who tells stories of a woman going to market to the grain merchant, purchasing some grain, receiving far more than she's entitled to as the merchant presses it down, shakes it together and running over. This is a generous, abundant God. And then in just a few months' time, Jesus will live out this little mini parable. The teller of this story, the master himself, will take a robe, put a towel around his waist, gird his loins, ready to serve his own disciples on the night of his death, the night of his betrayal as he washes his disciples' feet. This is the master that I serve. Friend, can I invite you to follow him today? This is the master. This is the house to be a part of. This is the banquet that you want to be a part of. If you haven't yet made the decision to commit to serving this master, to following him, let me encourage you that although the the wait may indeed be long, Although it seems as though the night is dark and the road is winding. In fact, the master tells us to expect some troubles along the way. Let me assure you, friend, that when he arrives, when the master arrives, it will be a banquet, a feast to end all banquets. You'll be welcomed into his household, into his kingdom, his domain in this life and the next abundant, eternal, resurrection life, not just pie in the sky when you die. Can I encourage you, church, and not just be thinking about going to heaven, although that is that will be wonderful, but you can experience the Master's love. You can experience the membership in the Master's house, be loved and served by him in the here and the now, abundant resurrection life, being served by the Master himself, from here until eternity. Accept your invitation to the Master's banquet today. Be dressed, ready to serve, and keep your lamps burning, and I will see you at the great banquet. Amen? Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, you've, you are so generous to us. You are gracious to us. You give us what we don't deserve, Father. By rights, we should be just servants. By rights, we should just be humbly serving you, Lord. But because of your graciousness, you've sent your son into the world to take the form of a servant who serves us, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you for your graciousness. Thank you for your revolutionary graciousness to us. Undeserved love, unmerited favor, shown to us at the cross of Christ. Father, we yield our lives to you this morning. We say, here we are, Lord. Take me. Take control of my life. I give my life to you, Lord. I surrender it afresh this week, Lord. Father, we commit ourselves to keeping our lamps burning, to be brightly burning, being a witness for you, a light in the darkness in this dark world, confessing Christ in this dark world. May our light shine brightly this week, Lord. 
May we be dressed ready to serve. And should you come, may you find us ready to serve, dress and ready to serve, ready to love, ready to love you, to serve you, and to indeed serve all of your creation. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen.